Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Bracket season is here, so bet with my bookie. Select the winners from 63 tournament games in the my bookie bracket contest for a chance at $10,000 in cash prizes, and it's only a dollar to enter. Sign up today at mybookie.ag and use promo code GATERS to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Only at mybookie. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Will Miles has the week off, so joining me from Gators territory is Nick Delatore. A busy, busy Nick Delatore. Uh, spring football, baseball in full swing now, Nick. Uh, you got time to breathe, man? Uh, trying. <laughs> there'll, there'll be no more coverage if we don't find some time uh, to breathe. But yeah, last week of uh, spring football. Um, I, I, depending on who you look at and what comments you see, some people might be hoping it's the last week of basketball. Uh, but basketball <laughs> just getting into the tournament now and a uh, big week for baseball with FSU and the Aggies coming to town. Yeah, yeah. different uh, A different FSU team under uh, Mike Martin Jr. there. And uh, a- A&M, first SEC game of the year. So, uh, Yeah, that's uh, Thursday, too. I need to – I'm not ta- – <laughs> It might sound that like I'm trying to remind fans, but I'm trying to continue saying it to myself so I actually show up to the park on Thursday night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday uh, for, for baseball. Sounds good. Sounds good. So we got plenty of the, to discuss here. Um, final week of spring practice, as Nick said. So we talked to Dan Mullen today, uh, his, one of his last press conferences before uh, he'll talk to the media on Saturday as well to wrap up spring ball. And uh, we'll get into a little bit of recruiting news, too. Gators hot on the recruiting trail trail in the last few days, um, too. So a uh, quick announcement right quick before uh, we get started fully in this episode. Thought long and hard about this and the right way to do it. Uh, you know, I've built Gators breakdown from the ground up and you know, never my wildest dreams that I expect it to become what it has. And that's thanks to you all. It's growing so fast that it's come to a point to expand it a little bit. So. Announcement of Gators Breakdown Plus. I want to get it out of the way first. Gators Breakdown is not changing. You'll still get what you expect there. Three episodes a week during the season, at least one episode a week during the offseason. Nothing's going to change there. Uh, But it's time to grow this a bit more, and that's where Gators Breakdown Plus comes in. Uh, It it does take a lot from me to to ask a monetary value from you guys, but uh, with this comes more work, of course. So, you know, starting $3 a month, up to ten dollars a month. Look, you're basically basically buying me a beer or a coffee a month. So uh, it's it's my goal to ensure ensure you that that no matter what level you choose to support, you will get back get back more than you give. Members will receive full access to unique episodes, a blog, Discord server, giveaways, Q and A sessions, ask me anything sessions, watch parties, shout outs, much more. Uh, I want to build a community uh, with you guys and, and extend what we already have. So head to Gators Breakdown dot supporting cast.fm check it out and join link is in the description as well there's three tiers to choose from and join now until march 29th for your chance to win one of the uh the hover helmets it's very popular <laughs> everybody sees it behind me uh, on the youtube version as well so sign up now between uh now between march between now and march 29th for your chance to win uh, one of the Florida Gators hover helmets. If you're watching on YouTube, you see it spinning behind me, of course. So that's two weeks, and I'll choose one lucky member of Gators Breakdown Plus to win 
uh, one of your own. So uh, sign up today there. So Nick, some, some exciting news on the Gators Breakdown front. More exciting. If you gift 10 subscriptions, I will break into Dave's house and I'll take the blue helmet from last year's game and I will <laughs> mail that to you. Free of charge for you. Oh, we got to figure something out there then. <laughs> uh, that's that's cool news. And it, uh, it, it, it's, you know, it, people don't like asking for money, but you're, you're providing a service. And it's like you said, you're going to be getting back more than, than uh, more than you give. Uh, you're, you'll be getting back more than you're, you're giving monetarily. And uh, you've got a regular job, Dave. <laughs> this, isn't know, the only thing, this isn't the only thing you do. So uh, the wife and kid miss you when you're locked away. And what I like to consider my guest bedroom there. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, this uh the, the makeshift third bedroom studios so when yeah. uh, people people come stay i have to sh- shove everything to the side there but uh yeah so uh fun time florida georgia a couple years ago so uh uh yeah so everybody gators breakdown plus the link is in the description uh if uh you feel so inclined uh to check it out so before we get to the episode remember you can find gators breakdown at news4jacks.com gators breakdown you'll find all the episodes there as well as news for jacks coverage of the gators Hey, a lot of you watching live on YouTube right now, hit that like button. It really helps us out. Hit that subscribe button. It really helps us out here on Gators Breakdown. And check us out on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. So, look, guys, out there, if you're listening, remember, it's just like last week's scrimmage. Nick, you can speak to this, too. We're not allowed there in person, but the, the notes you know, we, we hear are, are from multiple sides and are pretty consistent uh, with, with, with everything we're hearing here. Uh, word coming out again, Nick, that the defense is well ahead of the offense. Offense struggle for a second uh, straight scrimmage. Now, look, I, I have a hard time believing that everything – that comes out isn't by design a little bit. I have a feeling the message can be controlled in somewhat. And what, you know, what, what's getting out is meant to get out. So with that said, I also think there's some truth to it as well. And it's just my opinion on the matter. So Nick bluntly, I'll, I'll just ask, you know, Will and I have talked about it at nauseam, especially last week. I'll ask you bluntly uh, before we dive into specifics. How do you take this as far as good news or bad news? As we've discussed here on previous episodes, it's hard to gauge spring as far as good news and bad news because what's good news for one side is bad news for the other side. Uh, but you know, with the struggles on defense last season and now we're through two scrimmages, is it good news or bad news overall in your opinion that the defense seems to be trending up? Um, I, I don't even know that I would say trending up. You know, maybe just starting off um, – strong and that might be a message that if you're uh todd grantham maybe maybe todd grantham is all of our source and uh and it's just todd telling us that the defense is fantastic um but i think what it is and dan can continue saying you know emory jones throws some balls better than kyle pitt or the kyle trask and uh he can keep saying that but i think what's happening is you have an offense that you're gonna have to run a lot with the quarterback and the offense is going to change when you're in spring and the quarterback's wearing an orange no contact jersey, um, you're you're not going to be calling plays the same way. There's no point in calling this quarterback design run play. Okay, he, he's just going to run. No one can touch him. We're not getting a good look for everyone except for the quarterback. Um, so I think you're calling plays differently. I think the offense is going to look and it's probably in the process of beginning to look completely different. Uh, and it's not an offense and, and not a design that's going to look great um going up against your own team when the quarterbacks aren't live yeah so it's uh it definitely i guess it's just according to where you're you're i guess as a fan or as a media person i guess it's where your starting point is and i think everybody is in a probably a different spot of course we know that the change that's happening on offense we know the struggles on defense last year a lot of that shapes everybody's mind you know, how, and how Florida ended the 2020 season. So it's basically according to your mindset, whether you want to believe what's happening or not. If you believe that in, in Todd Grantham and that the defense can, can turn around, then you'll probably take everything that we're hearing these last couple of scrimmages. You probably take it and, and run with it. And mm-hmm. if you're more of a, well, the offense you know, is going through a lot of change. We don't really know how to judge this defense because the offense is going through so much change. So, Spring is a time for building. Um, we don't get as much access this spring, so that does make it a little more difficult. We're having to, to rely on word of mouth here. We're both kind of getting the same messages, Nick, but uh, it, it is hard to tell. 
Saturday, maybe we get some sort of symbols. Mullen said there's one more scrimmage. I know when spring practice kicked off that they said there would be something on the SEC network on March 20th. Well, we're about five days from that and still haven't heard anything uh, in regards to that. So hopefully we get something more uh, than what we've uh, seen. But uh, it really is, if you're a fan, if you're a media member out there, you just, I guess you just got to believe what you want to believe. Yeah, well, it's like you said at the beginning, if – in, in spring camp and fall camp, nothing is great because if someone caught a touchdown pass, all right, well, who was covering them? Um, if, if a long run breaks out, it's like, all right, well, why did that guy set the edge? You know, when you're playing against yourself, every positive play, there's a reason on the other end, whether it's a sack or a touchdown or something. Um, but spring for me is, is, is I gave the defense such a break last year because spring is the time where you kind of figure out who can play where, what schemes are we comfortable running? And you had to kind of figure that out during games last year. You were figuring that out in college station. You were figuring that out, you know, in the swamp with, with South Carolina there. Um, right now you're probably Dan Mullen's playbook might have 1500 plays in it, but that he's, you know, accumulated and built and, and designed from 13 something years of being a head coach right now. You're throwing everything at the offense, everything at the defense and, Hey, we, we haven't run that well in eight practices. Cross it off. We're not going to use that in the fall. Uh, we might be able to use this. So right now it's just throwing as much as you can at guys and, and seeing what they can handle. Um, so for me, for an offense that, you know, even the, the, you're losing a lot, but the guys that did come back, the stuff that's going to be working now, in my opinion, isn't stuff that they ran last year. Mm -hmm. um, just be given what you had in, as, as a skill set with, Kyle Trask. So to me, it's going to be a whole new offense and the defense isn't changing as much. So that might be another reason for me why the defense would be ahead of the offense. I like, I like that take there. Nick, let's start at quarterback uh, once again in the observations of Emory Jones struggling once again in a scrimmage setting. Now, I, I think it's worth bringing up again that we don't know the exact situations uh, that the quarterbacks are being put into. Mm -hmm. um, Mullen's putting these guys in uh, and he even mentioned in his most recent press conference on this Monday uh, that we're recording, we got to talk to him today, uh, that they're working on things that the team is still in the evaluation stage right now of what they are going to be. They're, they're working and installing the offense to see what they do well and we'll adjust from there. They're still at that point. He said they don't really know the strengths yet because they're still evaluating and figuring out the strengths and how they'll put it together within the package. Uh, lot, lots of things he likes, he says, but they're still evaluating it. So would you rather hear the quarterback taking over is doing good out there and, and not struggling? Absolutely. But uh, but I still think we're far from panic mode uh, about Emory Jones right now. Will, Will Miles, co-host here, had a really nice article on, on Emory in that situation today. I advise everybody to go read it. Uh, far away from panic mode right now, even though the, the word is not good in the first two scrimmages. In the first scrimmage, the note was he was missing touch uh, on his passes. And you, you asked Mullen uh, about that last week. And, and now this scrimmage – He's just not testing the ball down the field and checking down a lot. He just doesn't look comfortable is the word coming out of the second scrimmage. Now, you hope that's because you know the defense is doing its job, but, but we know that can't be the full reasoning here. Uh, could, the, the, there could be reasons, many reasons, for the, the, the struggling of Henry Jones right now. Maybe the staff doesn't want him to run as much as you – mentioned Nick uh, and work on passing aspects of the offense. Maybe he's gun shy because of an offensive line that struggled, that has struggled uh, in the last couple of years. Um, there's not a ton of veteran experience at wide receiver and, and all that paired with uh, transitioning to a different style of quarterback. It's just going to take time. At the same time, you have Anthony Richardson who by most accounts has looked better than Emory most of the spring, but not head and shoulders above. Uh, he's getting reps with the first team as well a little bit. And I'm not going to go as far as anywhere near saying that there's a full-blown or should be a full-blown quarterback competition here. Uh, but the mention from that multiple sides is definitely noted. Nick, I, I still think that and maybe even hope that there's just more to this and there are reasons for the struggles and maybe even some of it by design as they're trying to piece this offense together through so much transition. I will say it is a bit of alarming that the word is Emory's not comfortable. And, and that notion, you know, since he's been in the program, been in the system, been with this staff uh, for a few seasons, but I still, if you had to ask me, am I worried? Is there panic mode? Not, not quite yet. Yeah. I, I think that's why I've landed where I have with, <clears throat> it's probably just, 
we need you to work on these things. Like, hey, yeah. uh, they've had Kingsley Ekugan and, and a bunch of other guys working at center. Well, why isn't Ethan White working at center? It, he was going to be the starter there before he got hurt. It's, well, I know that he can do that. I know Emory, Emory Jones can drop back and the offensive line, you know, if someone gets around the right tackle, I know Emory can break a 45-yard run. I don't need to see that. I need to see him put some touch on his passes, go through a progression, throw to the entire route tree. So it, it's you're, you almost, you know, chop his legs off and say, you're going to sit here in the pocket in this square and do these things that you're not comfortable or as comfortable doing because now's the time to do it. You don't play a game for another six months nearly. Uh, you're not getting ready for an opponent. So you're trying to work on deficiencies. And I think with, with Emery, he's not the same kind of pocket passer that, that Kyle Trask is. Um, with the stuff that I've, I've seen, more so than heard, that I've seen when he's throwing, he doesn't you know, know when to throw a changeup rather than to throw you know that 98-mile-an-hour fastball to everyone. And, and that's kind of a, something we saw with Felipe Franks. You can have a gigantic arm, but you have to know when to take something off of it and throw a catchable football. Uh, so to me, way too soon to be pushing a panic button. Um, this is going to be Emory Jones' team. And if we get to a point in the season where Anthony Richardson is um, starting at quarterback, it's because he's either been head and shoulders above. It's almost like when you're talking yeah. about like a, a boxing match or, or an MMA fight. If you're fighting the champion, the, the guy that has the belt, you're not going to squeak by on a win by points. You need to convincingly win that fight. Um or we get a point in the season and Emory Jones is terrible. And if you get, you know, five games in and he's being terrible and you can clearly point, hey, the quarterback is the reason Florida is struggling right now, you might try someone else. But this is Emory Jones' team. We're still sitting here six months away from a game. And I think the spring and now is being used to more so than more so than add things into the playbook, pull the things out that we're not going to run in the fall and make sure we're comfortable with what we're going to run in the fall. Just putting 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 together the recipe, Nick. That's all I'm yeah. doing right now. Putting together the recipe. Yeah, but uh, I think there is something to say. Like, you're going to have Emory Jones is going to have to run. Like, if you had Cam Newton as your as your quarterback, you're not going to design an offense where, hey, you're going to drop back and throw sixty times. Don't run. Just take a sack if you have to. Don't run. You're not doing yourself any favors. But right now, you're not doing yourself any favors by letting Emory Jones run all over the field when guys can't hit him. So. This isn't Jim McElwain and Doug, this isn't Jim McElwain and Doug Nussmeyer working with Treon Harris and not letting him run, or Malik Zaire bringing him in and not letting him run. You know, I, I was a big Malik Zaire fan. I wasn't a big Malik Zaire fan coming into Florida because I knew Jim McElwain and I knew Doug <laughs> Nussmeyer was not going to put him in the right situation to use him. This is not what you have here with Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen's going to work on those things in the spring, but come game time, Emory's going to have 15 runs a game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and 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 he'll probably just go, hey, Emery, you remember uh, that play you want to run? Remember the 37 times we ran it in spring? How did it do? Not well? He's like, yeah, that's why it's not in the game plan. We're not running that this Saturday. Uh, this, Nick, let's extend it a little bit. Same story for the offensive line as they struggle for a second scrimmage in a row, especially opening up run, lane, run lanes for the running back. Now, Mullen did single out the left side of the line in his press conference by saying he feels comfortable about the left side of the line with left tackle Richard Garage left guard Ethan White. Uh, those are the only two he's seen without Nick. So that brings up the question if the right side is still struggling. Now I'm in the mind, or, or even if he's sending a message to, to some of those guys, look, I singled these two out. Everybody else, you got a lot of work to do. So that could have been a part of it there. Now I'm in the mind that uh, this Florida defensive line is going to be pretty good uh, this coming up year. But you still like to hear that the offensive line is making some progress, especially on that right side that struggled so much last year. Uh, now, I know Mullen likes to say Florida could have run the ball last year if they wanted to, but why not pass the ball? That's kind of M Mullen's way of thinking that he brings to us uh, in, in the past few press conferences. I agree with passing the ball with that elite passing game, but I still can't jump on board with just being able to line up and run it the way kind of Mullen likes to maybe <laughs> uh, send that message to us. I, I think we saw too many times that that's really just not the case. Yeah, I'm not um... – I'm not going to be high going into the year uh, on this offensive line. I don't think it, it, it'll be, I'll be a doubting Thomas. I'll, you're going to need to show me before I believe um, anything. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, does somebody step up at center and, or is that Ethan white? And now you've got to find someone that can play left guard. Um, I, I'm not super sold on Richard garage, a left tackle and the right tackle isn't changing. Um, I'm going to be pretty down on, the Florida offensive line until they show me 
something different. And I'm not even taking the stance that, well, maybe the defensive line is really good. No, I think the offensive line is bad, and it's going to be an issue for Florida next year. Um, and I'm, that's my stance until uh, until I can see otherwise, uh, because I think you lost your two best offensive linemen and brought back the other ones that weren't great last year. Nick, I, I think I agree with you there. Um, and I brought this question up a couple of weeks ago when I believe you put out the first five offensive line that we saw in one of the very first spring practices. And, of course, the Lance was that right tackle. And, of course, the – That's the a feed- mute tweet immediately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the feedback coming from that was uh, <laughs> was massive. But isn't it up to somebody else to supplant him? I mean, isn't it Michael Tarquin's job to go there and prove that he needs to be right tackle or, or somebody else? I mean, if Delance is out there, it's not his fault. I mean, the coaches are the one putting him out there. Going back to what I said about quarterback, there's no champions on the offensive line. <laughs> you, you can win that battle closely. You don't need to be head and shoulders above. And that's the thing to me is that if, if we're complaining about right tackle last year and now we're in spring and the right tackle is still starting – well, then don't tell me that someone else needs to play there because they've had every opportunity every single day during the fall in, in practice. Now, you know, nine, ten practices into the spring, they've had a chance to be to be that guy. And if they're not, listen, j- this coaching staff, for, for their faults, has been professional head coaches for a long time, um, getting paid to put a product out in the field, and, and they've had success. So if Michael Tarquin isn't the starting right tackle, then I think that means Gene DeLance is better than him. And you got to start recruiting for the future because Tarquin's been I, – I, this is his third year now, I think. It mm-hmm. seems like longer. Um, and then this is uh, – you know, unless COVID happens again, this is Gene DeLance's last go-around in, uh, in college, you know, this year. So you, you got to start recruiting. I know you mentioned we'll get to that later, but um, you, they've got to start getting some new guys in there. But like you said, if, if Gene DeLance is starting at right tackle, that means nobody has shown that they're better than him. Period. Yeah. And that – and I brought that up too. That that if that is the case, the problem starts nowhere else but recruiting. So that's, that's yeah. just where that's that's just where it goes. Uh, sticking with the offense here, Nate. One wide receiver garnering praise out of the second scrimmage, Jamarcus Weston, a name that's kind of been waited on uh, for the last couple of years, and uh, somebody who came in unheralded as a recruit mostly. But you ask behind the scenes, it was somebody that Dan Mullen and Billy Gonzalez really, really liked uh, as a recruit. Mullen mentioned earlier this spring that he may be the fastest player on the team. I think that surprised a whole lot of us there. And it looks like they may try to get the ball in his hands uh, a couple different ways uh, here. Even a wildcat uh, that he had, a wildcat run that he had in the second scrimmage for a touchdown. Uh, he's getting some time with the ones as well as at, at receiver through the spring. And it's hard to gleam a lot out of the wide receivers with the struggles of the passing game so far, but Weston seems to be the newcomer to watch. While Jacob Copeland, as expected, uh, is looking like the best wide receiver out there. He did have a lengthy touchdown reception in the second scrimmage. Uh, Tying everything together here, Nick, you know, I asked Mullen about, you know, coaching these receivers with having quarterbacks that can extend plays. And what does that you know, extend to the running backs or the wide receivers because look, that that changes their game a bit. You know, they're used to timing routes with Kyle Trask and getting the ball out and, and, and catching it in you know in route with Emory or Anthony Richardson. Those guys will be extended plays. So, how much are you practicing running to the sideline and then running up the sideline or running back towards the quarterback or sitting down in the zone? Those are things they didn't have to really do a whole lot of with Kyle Trask back there, and it's so much different now with these quarterbacks, but. Mullen extended that by saying, look, the offensive line has to has to has to learn that a quarterback can do that now as well and maybe block a little bit longer. And it helps the defense as well, because now they have to stay sound in the rug lanes and, and, and help with, with extended coverage back there in the defensive backfield. He goes and look, that was just that's just one more example of a lot of teaching this spring. Yeah, it almost reminds you of um, shoot. Who was it? Was it Deontay Thompson? said, you know, after Tebow left, and it was Brantley. It's like, ah, we have a real quarterback now. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully uh, we don't get Jacob Copeland saying that. I guess that's who would be my Deontay Thompson. Um, But, yeah, it's it's a totally totally different thing. And and last year, the the, – but you have to trust Dan Mullen. I mean, the offense that Florida ran in 2020 was so different than it ran in 2019. And and that's why I haven't been putting a ton of – stock into the scrimmage notes even even as i'm getting told and putting them up on rivals i haven't put a ton of stock into them because i think there's a lot going on but 
it is going to be different for the receivers. And it's almost like you got to send them to some improv classes, um, you know, when they, when you break spring camp, because you can't give up on plays and Hey, the, you know, the, the five yard slant that you're running and then you were option number one, something might've happened and you turn, you're expecting the ball to be on your hands already. And it's not there. Well, what do you do now? You don't just start jogging and wait. What side has the quarterback been pushed to? Are they off to the left? Cause I, there's a bunch of times you'll see, quarterbacks run to a side of the field and you're like, no one's over there, dude. Like, what do you either run, tuck it down and run. No one's over there. So I think there's going to be a, uh, a big maturation and learning process for the tight ends and for the receivers. It's like, Hey, normally our plays would last four or five seconds. He goes, we might have a, a, an eight second play. You gotta, you gotta play until the whistle, until the whistle goes. And I don't care if this is the, the route that we put you in, turn back, look and see where the quarterback is. Cause you might need to be on the other side of the field soon. Nick, good good comment here uh, from YouTube. I hope I get the name right. Uh, Eliwa Hamashi, but anyway. Mullen has a coaching staff full of friends like an Adam Sandler movie. Adam Sandler hasn't made a good movie in a long time. <laughs> but, but, but when you own the production company and you can take your friends to Thailand for uh, three months of filming, you know, you're going to make a bunch of money. Maybe uh, Florida wants to play the university, uh, you know, Polynesian University somewhere out in the, in the Pacific Ocean. I'm sure uh, they would enjoy the break from recruiting to, to go get ready for that game. <laughs> well, I like the fact that the whole uh, friends, friends and staff there, pretty good stuff there. Oh, so yeah, plenty, plenty more uh, to discuss here. But uh, well, you know, we'll talk about defense uh, coming up here on the other side of the ball. That is, seem to be trending and and doing well this spring. But before we get there, March is here, and it's time for the madness, and it's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with my bookie. Select the winners from sixty-three tournament games in the my bookie bracket contest for a chance at ten thousand dollars in cash prizes, and it's only a dollar to enter doesn't matter if you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for player and game props, MyBookie has you covered. Sign up at MyBookie.ag and use promo code GATERS to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's promo code GATERS to claim your first deposit bonus. College ball, NBA, and NHL, no matter the sport, no matter the minute, from tip-off to buzzer, MyBookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting. Bet anything, anytime, Anywhere with my bookie. All right. Defense. Other side of the ball here. And seems to be trending up, as we said. But, Nick, the thing I'm looking at, attitude. And uh, we've had a chance to talk to Trey Dean uh, a couple times in his career. Uh, the most recent being a couple weeks ago. And, look, he's kind of just been this no-nonsense guy, even when kind of just talking to the media straight to the point uh, when, when, he, when we get to talk with him. But now we've seen images of him carrying the, the handcuffs in practice this spring, kind of symbolizing lockdown. And, and, and now – you know, word that he's been a bit chippy this spring and uh, even been booted from practice for, for causing some scuffles uh, out there in practice. So, you know, no big deal. That happens in spring ball, fall camp, when you're going against yourselves time and time again, it, it happens. But I do think the attitude, the emotion is, is welcome after what we saw on that side of the ball last season. Too passive, not enough aggression. Uh, this spring was for me, all about getting some confidence on that side of the ball uh, for those guys after the perform performance last season. So I like hearing that about a, a veteran player that should be a leader on the back end of this defense. Now, part of that, keep your emotions in check. <laughs> uh, but but if playing with a certain amount of aggression, chippiness is what helps bring this defense back around, then by all means, go for it. Yeah, I think I would have been the senior like Dominic Easley where they were like, hey, do you want to practice this spring? I'm like, no, I'm good. I'll just stand on the sideline and hold my helmet. But uh, <laughs> that's a certain, uh, you know, certainly another uh, way to handle your last spring. Um, the best, the best, I think, interview I've had with Trey Dean, Cassidy uh, Hill and I were talking to him in the locker room um, after the Orange Bowl. And that's the year where he was uh, just a mess at that star um, ended up losing his spot, and and he was he's he's just really self aware. Um, I, I feel like, and um, Fleur's gonna need him at safety, and, and I think you know even coming on the show, you know on Sundays, I think I'm sitting here screaming, get, get me more Trey Dean at safety, um, and I think that's a spot he's gonna lock down. And listen, he's been here a long time. When when Trey Dean was was uh, committed to Florida, it was. DBU and like there was no argument about it and I think you've probably got an argument now after what Florida looked like last year um, 
I think I joked and called it DB who the DB who game last year when they played LSU, the way those two teams were looking. Um, maybe you need that. Maybe you need that edge because some of these other guys think, you know, you, you can easily sign up and, and commit to Florida. And all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, I'm here. I made it. And it's like, no, the, the reason those guys performed the way they did is because we had these kind of competitions in practice on a day in and day out basis. And it wasn't, I signed and now I am it's I signed and now I'm now I'm going to work and now I have to get to that level where a Joe Hayden, a Janoris Jenkins, uh, a Marcus Roberson to where those guys were. Um, you don't just get that good by signing up Florida. There's a whole process that goes into it. So if trading is the one that's, you know, leading that charge, good for him. Um, just the way that the uh, anatomy works. I don't think clipping the uh, clipping handcuffs right there on the front of your the front of your pants is probably the way to go. So I think he's, I think the bringing the handcuffs was only for a, a one practice thing, uh, not necessarily a, a permanent addition, <laughs> permanent accessory. It'd be the it'd be the sideline celebration. Nick. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Would it, every, anything's better than the uh, the dunking on the garbage can that Tennessee had? And we're talking the, uh, about we're talking about how, how self aware Trey Dean has been when I've talked to him. That is the opposite of self awareness. Putting a garbage can, so and the uh, uh, and the uh, pocketbook for FSU. Yeah, yeah, the door of the Explorer backpack. I don't think that was that was the way to go either. I think handcuffed over those for sure. I got five hundred dollar backpack too. <laughs> oh, um, Nick, man, we might as well just put it on repeat too. Uh, the last couple of weeks, Will and I discussed the emergence of young linebackers Derek Wingo, Tyron Hopper. Uh, the last couple of weeks and them needing to take full advantage of Ventro Miller being out this spring, James Houston transferring from Florida. And it seems those guys are doing just that second scrimmage in the world. Those guys are continuing to prog- pro, you know, progress to the point where, you know, Hopper may have been the best player on the field for the, the, the past two scrimmages uh, and Winger earning more reps uh, out front. Where Andrew Chatfield's coming off a two sack scrimmage uh, and defensive front is just dominating as a whole. You know, Going back to the offensive line, if they're going to struggle, then at least view the defensive line and what they're doing as uh, what they're supposed to be doing. That's probably a good way to put it. Uh, if this defensive line is going to be good, they need to be taking advantage of this Florida offensive line. If they're not, I probably would have some worries there. Uh, kind of going back to what we've discussed before, but Wingo, Hopper, Chatfield, young players up front making some plays for the Gators uh, so, so far this spring. And, with all the experience that was on the defense last year, Nick, it's good now through two scrimmages. We're, we're, we're hearing a lot of names we didn't hear a lot of last year. Well, we heard a lot about them, but there was just, where are these guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, heard, I heard their names more than anybody else, but I didn't see them at all. That's uh, true. I think that might be the issue. Uh, and and the, the issues Florida had um, with in the passing game, I think Hopper was the one we didn't didn't make any sense. Why can't we see the guy who is supposed to be the most athletic, um, best runner, best in coverage? Why aren't we seeing more of him? Um, I think it is encouraging to see Derek Wingo. I mean, he's a guy who um, I kept hearing about with Florida having to struggle. I mean, last year he's a freshman, and he had to learn every single linebacker position just because of guys going into COVID protocol, and the linebacker room gets hit really hard. And um, that's a lot to take on as a freshman, trying to learn – one position is hard enough. Now you're, hey, you're learning every single off our uh, linebacker position. So, and um, and not playing linebacker in high school. So you no. had to go and then you know learn, like you said, multiple linebacker positions. Multiple, yeah. That's like, hey, Dave, you played running back in high school. We're going to have you play receiver and defensive back, and we have some injuries, <laughs> so you're going to have to learn a little bit of star too. Uh, it's it's not it's not going to be a great situation. I think Ventrell Miller. I, you're hearing more about these guys because I think Ventrell Miller, with his shoulder injuries that he had to play through last year, um, I think he's kind of gotten some time off, and um, so it's more opportunity for these other guys. Like when they go to go to scrimmage, Ventrell, you don't need to play. You, you're going into your fifth year. We know what we're going to get from you. We watched you start every game last year, um, but you do need to see guys like Hopper, guys, guys like Wingo, um, and then to me, Chatfield. It's just like shines, like he, he shines, does something, and then you never see him again. And even if he's on the field, it's just the consistency. And, and we're not talking, you know, Mike White's basketball team. I need to see more consistency from some of these guys. And I think that was something that really stuck out to me um, from Dan Mullen today is 
you don't need to make everyone talks about you got to make plays if you want to get on the field you have to make plays and dan said it isn't about making more plays or raising the ceiling it's about lowering the floor so that we're not getting these gigantic swings in play from you where you make the all-star play and then miss an easy assignment we want to have a nice steady window of where we know you're going to be and that to do that is not making yourself better in the terms of making more plays it's hey when i mess up it's not going to be down here when i mess up here's my new floor and we can live in this space right here well nick uh, i'm glad you brought that back up and now i'm kind of comparing it is it in a way isn't that like the defense in a whole i mean great sack numbers but that's really about it that's really the, and, and then the lack of sack numbers in big games you know we went back to two years ago when florida almost 50 sacks on the season, but only had but had no sacks between the LSU and Georgia game. Then last year was second in the SEC with one less game played than Alabama in sacks, only had one less sack than Alabama. Bama played one more game, but it doesn't translate. So I, I kind of agree you there. You know, yeah, you got the high of getting sacks, but where, where, where's the rest of the play? Where's the where's the floor at? And as you, you raise the floor. And that probably goes for for a lot of that front. And Brenton Cox was kind of the, the player he was pointing out when he was discussing you know, raising the floor. The, the ceiling is great, but you got to be a lot more consistent. I mean, you could, you really could put that as the defense and the defensive front as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to me, that's uh, that's the biggest thing. Being a baseball guy, um, that's just kind of like a not getting too high on your high, not getting too low on your lows thing, and, and trying to live in that middle ground. But it's like you said, hey, cool, you had you know seven sacks against Colorado State. That's fantastic. Feel good about yourself there. Um, but then you go and you play Alabama in the SEC championship, and I can't recall if they had any um, or, or more than you know just a couple against Alabama. Those are the games, you know. Big players make big plays in big games. Those are the games you want it. And uh, to me, I think Florida, obviously everything starts with, with the line. And I'm interested to see Newkirk and Valentino and, and what those guys bring because you needed to get guys through the transfer portal that could play right away. Um, but then also, is Jeremiah Moon going to take the step that we all thought he would six years ago and be the player he would six years ago? Or is the same guy, and, and who is the guy? Is Bretton Cox? I've I've watched him not set the edge on uh, on the running on running plays, and um, so to me, there's still a ton of question marks on the defensive line outside of the, you know the the uh, the two grad transfers. Absolutely, Gervin Dexter there, uh, the five star. Hopefully, can build on uh, what he did last year. And you know, I, I do I, I do like it that he does not have to be forced out there. Now, you want you want a five star out there that if he can go out there and improve and live up to that five star status, you want him out there as much as possible. Uh, but after a COVID year and having to kind of be thrusted into the defensive tackle position last year, now he gets a spring to develop uh, and won't have to be forced out there. Uh, just you know, since Florida has those two transfers uh, that can uh, take a lot of reps as well. Other news and notes, Nick, uh, as far as speaking of young players, Jason Marshall with a pick six of Carlos Del Rio in the scrimmage. Uh, running backs, uh, especially Lorenzo Lingard, uh, Malik Davis, Naquan Wright, doing a nice job catching the ball out of the backfield. We know how huge that was last year, especially in the Georgia game. Uh, and especially Malik Davis. Uh, he's making some explosive plays out there. And we keep asking ourselves, you know, now Demarcus Bowman, you know, hasn't been basically practicing the last couple of weeks. You know, how is Florida going to – um, work out their numbers at, at, at running back, you probably are going to separate yourself with what you can do by catching the ball out of the backfield. Yeah, that, that's going to be a big thing. Um, pass blocking, all like the little things. Like, listen, everyone there can can put the, you know, have the ball put into their chest and they can run with it. Um, what are the other little things that you can separate yourself um, from those other guys? And um, I think that the, probably the biggest um, missed opportunity for me is, is getting to see uh, Demarcus Bowman, because obviously that's you know the the former five star. The he was the you know the apple of everyone's eye in the 2020 recruiting class, and then goes to Clemson and such a, a strange turnaround. Once you know kids go to Clemson, I think we even talked about it. Kids don't decommit from Clemson, and then you're only there for less than a year. Now a chance to be at Florida. I would have loved to see him um, yeah, a little bit more this spring, but. To me, it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting how that how the running back room shakes itself out because there's a lot of guys there, Dave. And uh, I mean, between Lingard and Wright, and, uh, I think Wright might be, in my opinion, the uh, probably the best all around guy that Florida has right now. Um, I'm excluding Bowman from that because I just I just don't know. 
um, enough. Haven't seen enough of him at the college level yet, but I think Naquan Wright's probably your best all-around guy in terms of running, catching, pass blocking. Yep, I think he'll get a lot of playing time about this this fall. And one more young player, Nick Elson, the tight end from here in Jacksonville, just keeps him keeps him pressing at the tight end position there through two scrimmages uh, for the Gators. So, of course, big, big week in recruiting as we uh, kind of shift away from spring practice for a little while. Final week uh, of spring practice, final scrimmage on Saturday. Like I said, we'll look and see if Florida announces they'll do anything publicly, SEC Network, possibly, hopefully, maybe. Uh, we'll see, uh, you know, but competing with that uh, – the one name I keep hearing is Jason Marshall. I don't know if he's starting yeah. yet, um, but I think Jason Marshall has a chance to be the guy that starts across the field from from Corey Collier, from Corey Collier, from uh, Kyrie Elam. Um, and they they always say, you know, the farther away you are from the ball, not not safety, even though you're really far away, um, the farther away you are from the ball, the easier it is to start. I think he's a guy that that fans, you know, probably already anticipated playing early. Mm-hmm. But a guy that might join that, you know, very exclusive small list of freshmen who have started their first game at cornerback in Florida. Yep, good stuff to look forward to. Hopefully, we get something uh, on Saturday, kind of competing with the uh, NCAA tournament <laughs> this weekend too. So we'll see. Uh, oh, that, that little thing, that's it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, we'll see if Florida wants to put it. Hopefully, hopefully gives us a little bit more through this scrimmage, through this third scrimmage. But I, I wouldn't count on it uh, with the way they're kind of keeping everything under wraps. Uh, this spring, kind of taking advantage of that. So let's fast forward and transition to recruiting a little bit. Uh, Nick, three commits uh, in, in about the last week for the Gators. Uh, let's start last week. Uh, three-star quarterback, Nick Evers, 6'4", 192 pounds, really seemed to be a priority once uh, quarterback coach Garrett McGee took over uh, for Brian Johnson from Flower Mound, Texas. So he continues the recent string of Texas quarterbacks for the Gators and uh, is just coming off winning MVP honors at the Dallas Under Armour camp on this uh, this past Sunday. Now, uh, this short scouting report comes from Gators territory. Corey Bender, I've been talking to Corey a good bit the last week uh, here behind the scenes. But Corey says uh, during 2020 season, Evers completed 202 of 299 passes for 2,268 yards, 17 touchdowns, five interceptions. Recorded 218 yards and five touchdowns on the ground as well, averaging 2.6 yards a carry. Uh, processes things quickly, shows a quick release when getting rid of the football. Fluid athlete who flashes quick feet inside the pocket as well. Isn't a blazer at the position, but is an above average athlete who is capable of racking up yardage with his legs. Um, that is even more intriguing considering his physical makeup at the position. His frame should fill out nicely in Nick Savage's strength and conditioning program. Nick, many out there question taking a three-star quarterback. And, uh, yeah, I had to, get, had to go out there with a Twitter thread uh, for, for, for this one. Uh, many thoughts were sent my way uh, over taking errors, um, you know, in as a as the 2022 quarterback for Florida after taking two last cycle. Um, look, I, I can't criticize a quarterback that Mullen wants. His, his pedigree of coaching those guys is – is, is great uh, and getting a lot out of the quarterback position. Um, so, you know, some of the thoughts sent my way over the last you know, week or so with that is Mullen has to recruit an elite quarterback to get, you know, to get elite quarterback play uh, to carry subpar overall recruiting. Look, overall recruiting has to get better. No matter the quarterback, in my opinion, Florida just had elite quarterback play this past season. You weren't going to get much better quarterback play than that. And it didn't translate to a title. So overall recruiting has to get better, not quarterback recruiting. Um, you know, also, you know, seeing the criticism of not getting an elite quarterback after all the success with Kyle Trask. And yes, there were higher quarterbacks uh, on the board initially uh, for the Gators, but not many. Uh, a couple of factors here. Quarterback room has a lot of numbers. As I said, Florida's just coming off a class where they signed two uh, last cycle. Another thing that could be working against Mullen there, he doesn't start quarterbacks early. Now that could that could be due not to having a guy good enough to do so, but he still his history shows that he doesn't play uh, young quarterbacks. That could be working uh, against him a bit in recruiting. And look, given Mullen's recruiting style and those factors, I, I can see it being tough uh, to get one this cycle. Uh, though were, they were in great shape for Cade uh, Klubnik before Clemson came calling. Everybody knew what Clemson was going to offer him. 
He was going to be going to Clemson. Uh, quarterback board shuffled a bit after Johnson left. McGee was hired, and Evers was identified as a major target uh, once that transition happened on, on the coaching staff. So, look, hardly anyone is taking more heat for criticizing Dan Mullins recruiting than what we have done here on Gators Breakdown, but I at least like to think we're fair. Quarterback is the least of my worries in that regard. Was Evers a top choice? No. But does it really matter? Does it really matter if he was a top choice or not with Dan Mullen being the head coach? There's a, a couple factors that you put in. Um, Clemson has shown, hey, we'll play a freshman quarterback right away. Alabama um, won a national championship with Tua in his freshman year. And that's just not something Dan has shown that he's going to do. Um, also, good luck com- uh, good, good luck competing with Clemson and Alabama um, and when it comes to recruiting for a guy they really want. And Florida's won some of those battles. I mean, uh, Florida won a battle for Kadarius Toney. And, uh, you know, I, I know Alabama came – came calling late and Florida could, Florida could have lost out on Kadarius Tony. What would the season have looked like last year without that? But yeah, I'm not going to like you. I'm not going to freak out about quarterback. The quarterback dominoes every year start because these guys commit super early and then they're committed for, for a year or two years at a time. Um, so once you saw the dominoes start to go um, and, and Florida really put in, okay, Nick Evers, this is going to be our guy for the class. Once the dominoes start falling. Now, if you don't get that, and you continue going down, then, okay, well, what's happening? You know, you should have gotten a little uptick um, on, on the quarterback and what happened. I think you're seeing an uptick in tight, end, tight ends recruiting with the tight end that committed um, with getting Elks, Elkskins, uh, Elksness, Elkskins. I, I'm, I'm going to struggle with that one for a while, Dave. <laughs> um, I think you're seeing, you know, what, what Kyle Pitts did on the field, that's paying dividends in, in recruiting. But – if I'm a quarterback and I'm an elite quarterback, one of the top three, four in the country, I'm, I'm thinking about playing early. Okay, well, they've got Emory Jones. Maybe he only has one more year. He might have two, which means I'm a freshman and he's got a year. And then they've got Emory, or then they've got Anthony Richardson. And he's only a, f- a freshman. He'll be a redshirt freshman next year, and he'll be a redshirt sophomore my first year. Then they just signed two. Um, quarterbacks want to play. There's only one ball. It's not like you know, uh, receiver or tight end where you get three, four or five of them on the field at the same time. Only one quarterback's playing uh, unless it's the cotton bowl and, uh, <laughs> and you, and you line up Anthony Richardson in the slot. Um, so to me, there's a lot of factors that go in quarterback recruiting is a lot different than other positions. I am still um, very concerned about Florida's uh, laissez-faire recruiting attitude um, in general. But like you said, I'm not really worried about what what Florida and Dan Mullen are doing when it comes to uh, breaking down quarterbacks, developing quarterbacks, and, and signing quarterbacks at Florida. Yeah, I, I can see him being brutally honest with quarterbacks and say, "Hey, look, you know, the chances of coming here and playing as a freshman are not great." And I can see that turning turning some young guys off there. So. Let's move to the second commitment of this string of commitments for the Gators. Offensive tackle Tony Livingston from Tampa, Carrollwood Day, committed to Florida. Um, now, interesting angle on this one, Nick. He's played tight end so far in high school and rated as a four-star for that position, but is projected to be an offensive tackle in college. 6'6", 285, also plans to play basketball as a preferred walk-on. Also holds offers from Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, LSU, Notre Dame, Oregon, Miami, FSU, Michigan, and more. Uh, asked around, and most of those schools are also offering him as an offensive tackle as well. So, Nick, I reached out to, I reached out to Corey today uh, to get some insight on this one and asked about Rivals re-ranking Livingston since he is projected to be an offensive tackle. He, like I said, he's listed as a tight end uh, right now. Uh, Corey said that's coming. So him being re-ranked as an offensive tackle will be coming soon. There's no junior film or camp setting film of him playing offensive tackles. So it'd be interesting to see where he ends up ranked. Corey said if he had to guess, he'd say he, he'd stay a four-star and once you see the offer sheet, I think you can see why that would be the case since Alabama, Georgia, all those other big schools are committing him uh, or recruiting him to be an offensive tackle as well. Uh, but, you know, Corey said he has no say in the rankings, so he'll see where that goes. Uh, but, you know, thanks to Corey for that insight. But uh, interesting, you know, one we, we got through talking about offensive line not long ago and how recruiting needs to get better at the position. Uh, now you get an offensive tackle here who has yet to play that position in high school, Nick. You're on mute, Nick. <laughs> yeah, I left myself. Uh, a bold move, Cotton. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out for him. 
Um, it's intriguing in the sense that the, the, the strides you can make when you're so new to something can be leaps and bounds. And just with the smallest amount of coaching, um, you can get so much better. But what's that process? Is that a two-year process, a three-year process? Is, you know, is this a guy where going into your redshirt sophomore season, uh, the, the position coach is reminding you, Hey, well, you got to remember, he's only been playing football for four years now, so he's still learning the game. And it's like, okay, well, how many of those guys are you going to take and put on the team? And how many guys are we teaching the game once they get on campus? I'm not going to downplay uh, downplay this, but you probably just look at he's a former basketball player and, and look at his body size. And once you start training for football, you train a lot differently and we might be able to put you know a ton of size on a guy and he's going to outgrow the tight end position. So – Interesting to me, I think I, I still I, I think some of the fan base has turned um, on John Hevesy, but I, I still think he's probably forgotten more about offensive line than I know. So if you think, hey, we're going to take a chance on this guy, and like you said, it's not even really a chance when you look at the offer sheet. Like there's a bunch of other schools knocking at the door as well. Um, but if you look at what Hevesy's been able to do throughout his career, I think, hey, if, if I'm learning the type or learning the offensive line position, he's probably a good person to teach it to me. And last one, uh, just a couple of days ago, a commitment from uh, tight end C.J. Hawkins, three-star, 6'7", 220, Nick. Tight end, 6'7", 220 pounds. That size is something you can't teach in a matchup nightmare just waiting to happen. Now, there's a lot of work here as Hawkins has only played one year of football. Another project here. Uh, it looks like the, the tight end, also from the Tampa area, as fellow commit Tony Livingston, Tampa Berkeley Prep is a fast-rising prospect, just recently offered, uh, didn't wait long to become the Gators' fifth commitment in the 2022 class. Also drew, all, drew offers from the likes of Alabama, Georgia, Miami, FSU, and Texas, just to name a few. His mom is a Gator grad, so of course that had to help a bit, I would think. Uh, so there was an advantage there for Florida. But Nate, make no mistake about it, uh, other teams see the potential here too. That size still has room to grow, pack on some more weight. Um, and... Corey at Gators Territory scouts Hawkins as a willing blocker, has shown a nice physicality. Uh, he would like to see Hawkins strike the ball a little bit better, but that comes with experience along with fluidity in running routes. So, Nick, bring up Hawkins, uh, of course. Bring up Livingston. We kind of labeled projects a little bit. I go back and look, these guys, you know, the offer sheet kind of speaks for itself. I'm, I'm going to look at this from a different way. If people want to say it's negative, then go right ahead. Uh, but other side of the ball, we've seen projects on defense not necessarily work out yet. Amari Bernie, this versatile player, hasn't necessarily found a home yet where he's really, really excelled. Florida's recruited all these bucks that, you know, they probably have an abundance of. Where are they going to stick all those guys and, and, and become uh, you know, Jeremiah Moon, one of those guys, defensive end, pass rusher, however you want to stick him, you know, still having an issue finding a place for Jeremiah Moon to to excel. And especially back there in the defensive secondary, you've got, you've had guys have you recruited as safeties, but they'll go play corner. Guys who have recruited as corner but didn't go play safety, you know, Trey Dean being one of those guys who's just been moved around. I mean, in linebacker, you keep just looking at that. Mamou Diabate, who as a freshman played more of a rush-in type, now – in 2020 was more of a linebacker. So you've seen a lot of these prospects still trying to find their way through the Florida program. And look, I just named a whole lot on <laughs> defense. Now it's shifting to offense a little bit. And there's probably, you, you probably trust that a bit more with what you've seen the last couple of years with this Gator team, Kyle Pitts, wide receiver slash tight end or tight end slash wide receiver. However you want to put that. There's so much debate out there about that. He's a tight end. You go look at a Kadarius Tony, where you know he you move him all over the field. Yeah, he's a project in some kind of way. You you use him to the best of his ability. Florida found ways to do that and found ways to do that successfully. Not so much on defense. Have found a couple players on the offense that you can do that. Jamarcus Weston, as a, you brought up earlier, as a team a guy they seem to be toying with there. Now here it's tied in offensive line, and you're trying to figure out some projects here. And it could really pay off for positions, especially on the offensive line that really needs some help. Yeah, it's tough because you, you, you're you trying to find positions for those guys. You know what I mean? You're trying to, you've tried to, you 
you look at Trey Dean, you're like, look how physical he is. And, and we've talked about that. Like, let's stick him at star and it doesn't work. And all right, well, how do you fi- figure that out? And there is some room for it. I mean, look, when Florida got Kyle Pitts, I remember that very first spring, we're asking the coaching staff, like, what position is this kid playing? Because he's working out with, with, the, with the receivers. And they're like, oh, well, he's, he's learning. He's learning how to be a receiver. And he's working on his footwork. And he's working on all these other things. And I'm glad you brought uh, that up, Nick. I remember, the first time I remember seeing him, he was with Billy Gonzalez. Yeah. And, and you're wondering, like, what, why is he over there? This is a tight end. He, he's not a great blocker. He should be practicing playing with his hand in the dirt. Um, and then, obviously, and that's another thing I would probably, like, caution with Nick Elksness is that, Hey, listen, I know you see that frame and the frame and the numbers on the roster. When you go online are going to look very similar, but Kyle Pitts wasn't Kyle Pitts until his junior year. And I think there is that, that development that needs to happen. And there's a, there's a, at the university of Florida, this might be my opinion. I'll try not to go on like a rant at the university of Florida. You can take those kids. You can, you can take, those kids that are that are going to be projects, and hey, we think that we can make this kid into something special. That we can pull everything out of him, teach him things, and we can make him an all SEC, all S, all American kind of guy. Those aren't the kids that you need to fill a recruiting class with. At the University of Florida, you should be able. And I know I said earlier, good luck, you know, uh, competing with Clemson and Alabama, but those are the schools you need to start competing against. So for me. Uh, you have to have a completely different mindset when you're recruiting at Mississippi State than if you're recruiting at the University of Florida. Uh, I don't know that this staff has that yet. I'm not going to talk bad about any of the, the kids that they got, but you you should be competing for you know the Corey Collier, the five star, the Jason Marshall, the high four star, could have been a five star. Those are the kids that you should be. You're not going to fill a recruiting class with them unless you're 2021 Alabama who filled that the recruiting class with strictly four four and five stars. Um, But I think you need to, you have room for projects, but you don't want, Hey, well we signed 15 kids in the class and 12 are projects that we're not going to be comfortable putting on the field for four or five years. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, these guys that are coming in like this, Maybe Hawkins because the six seven two twenty frame. You're probably going to add a little bit. Maybe he's a guy who can, in certain situations, get on the field early. But these are not guys who are going to come in and, and play right away. These are guys that are going to have to take time to develop. And we haven't seen a whole lot of offensive linemen anyway come in and do that for Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we just kind of mentioned, you know, Florida's recruited numbers at tight end, so you're not really going to throw Hawkins in there either uh, if he's if these guys stay committed and sign with Florida. So you have some time for these guys to be projects and, and work them in. You're not going to ask them uh, to go out there and start from day one, uh, about a year from now, if they're early enrollees. So some projects, some guys uh, for Florida to, to work on, a lot of potential there. Uh, with those guys, and hopefully it pays off there in the end for the Gators. That's get you caught up on recruiting right now. Five recruits, uh, five commits so far uh, for the class of 2022 for the Gators. And that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. Nick, uh, you kind of mentioned early on baseball, basketball, last week of spring football, but you guys, I think uh, you're running some kind of uh, deal with Gators territory, right? Yeah, look at you, Dave. What a segue there. Yeah. Corey will love that. Yeah. Uh, if you sign up, use code UF60. Um, you'll get 60 free days of premium access. So that'll carry you um, literally right through uh, the end of baseball season in June. And, and then at that point, we're hoping that uh, the product has been good enough that you'll want to continue that membership for, uh, for you know, fall camp and uh, – and spring and spring football camp for Florida. So uh, use the code. I think I've tweeted it out. It might have been a while, but uh, use code UF60 when signing up for Gators Territory and get 60 days of premium access and hang out with me on the message board. Nick, uh, Will Miles asked me to uh, ask you this. The uh, the swamp or the new Florida ballpark? Uh, I mean, the, the Florida ballpark is nicer. It's brand new. <laughs> It still smells like it's got you know bubble wrap around it, uh, but, but uh, I've only seen like twelve hundred people there. So haven't yeah. even gotten. Uh, I was funny. I was walking around with Zach Albaverde the other the other night during the Friday doubleheader, and uh, I'm walking around. And I'm thinking, man, you like there's enough room to get ten thousand people in here. And like, what if by the time super regionals come, Florida and Miami are in a super regional against each other, and you can get ten thousand people in this park, and that'll be a weekend for sure. Uh, 
But I'll, I'll go with the swamp. I don't need. I'm not trying to get any, all that Twitter smoke. <laughs> we'll save the swamp over Florida ballpark, even though uh, Florida ballpark is newer and, and and nicer in terms of amenities right now. Sundresses and cowboy boots. That's true. It's been a little too cold. It's been a little too cold for that. <laughs> There's a tiebreaker. That's the tiebreaker. <laughs> That's certainly a tiebreaker. <laughs> all right, Nick Delatore from Gators Territory is joining us here on Gators Breakdown. Find him there at Gators Territory, as he said. Message boards out throughout there. You can find him on Twitter, too, at DeLaTorre. That'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.